Welcome to Holistic History, The Fall of Celtic Britain. I am Jim Frost, and this is episode 5. In the last episode, we gave a synopsis of the reign of King Arthur. This episode will examine the period of instability that followed his death, which was sometime around the year 520. In his book, The Ruin and Conquest of Britain, Gildas criticized five kings who were alive at the time he wrote the book, which was sometime around the year 540. For many years, the accepted reconstruction is that he listed these men in geographic order from south to north. More recently, this has been challenged. The interpretation followed here is that the traditional explanation used by the medieval Welsh was right. Four of these five men were actually monarchs who ruled the central government, with the position of the fifth man being explained next episode. Gildas used animal imagery for each of these men. One theory is that he used the animals from the book of Revelations from the Bible. Another idea is that they were the armorial badges used by these rulers. The two ideas are not mutually exclusive, since the animals from Revelations are the lion, leopard, bear, and dragon, all of which were known to have been used as armorial symbols. The strongest evidence that they were armorial badges comes from the two men who will be covered in more detail next episode. Gildas called Cunaglossus the charioteer of the bear's stronghold. The bear's stronghold, or more literally Fort Bear, is Dinarth, which was an important fortress in northern Wales. Since Cunaglossus was based at Fort Bear, he could have used the bear as his symbol. Gildas referred to Melguin as Dragon of the Isle. Melguin's province was Gwynedd. It is known from later, better documented time periods, the dragon was the symbol of the rulers of Gwynedd. In fact, the red dragon flag used for all Wales originated as the flag of Gwynedd. Gildas's book is one of only two sources to give us information about the other three monarchs. The other is the History of the Kings of Britain, written by Geoffrey of Monmouth, sometime around the year 1136, so the two sources were written some 600 years apart. Unfortunately, Geoffrey was a storyteller whose account is more fiction than history. He did say that Britain had a central government, but he believed its succession was determined by inheritance, while the reconstruction followed here is that it was based on the Roman system that the ruler had to gain the support of the army and the approval of the Senate. Geoffrey had each man's reign end with his death, but the Britons were a Celtic people and Celts avoided killing deposed rulers because it would have started blood feuds, which is why all of these men were still alive at the time Gildas wrote his book. To pick up the historical narration from the last episode, Arthur was killed at the Battle of the Field of Camlin when his nephew Melguin rebelled and Medrot, or Mordred as he became, switched sides. I believe Gildas referred to this when he accused Melguin of seizing power by killing his uncle in a civil war. His word choice is confusing, because he then said Melguin had a fit of remorse and went into a monastery, so he did not exactly seize power in this revolt, but he did come to power some ten years later. It is this period of ten years that will be covered here. The first of the so-called five tyrants mentioned by Gildas was Constantine. Gildas called him the whelp of the filthy lioness of Damnonia, which is either an attack on Constantine's mother or the personification of his province. Those who believe that these men were listed in geographic order from south to north say Damnonia was an alternate version of Dumnonia, that is, Arthur's province of Somerset, Dorset, Devon, and Cornwall, down in the southwest. However, some have argued that it is actually a reference to an otherwise undocumented province that was the home of the Damnoni, one of the tribes that lived in what is now southern Scotland. To make matters even more confusing, there was also a Domnonia in Brittany, although this is less likely. Gildas accused Constantine of adultery and murder, saying that the same year he wrote the book, 
Constantine disguised himself as an abbot and slew two princes who were praying in a church. According to Geoffrey, Constantine was Arthur's cousin and therefore had a claim to the throne. The two princes were Mordred's sons who had rebelled and were supported by the Anglo-Saxons. The rebellion was crushed and the princes fled. In his version, they split up and Constantine killed them in different locations, although in both cases they were taking refuge in a church. Geoffrey gave Constantine a reign of four years and then said he was deposed in a civil war. The victor of this war was Aurelius Caninus, whom Geoffrey said was Constantine's nephew. In reality, it is unlikely that the two men were related. However, the similarity, similarities of the names has led to speculation that Aurelius Caninus may have been related to Ambrosius Aurelianus, possibly his grandson. Gildas called Aurelius a lion and accused him of murder, adultery, and fornication. He also implied that the monarch had killed his own father and brothers. Geoffrey called him very brave, but if that is true, it was not enough to save his regime. The history of the kings of Britain gave him a reign of only three years. His successor was Vortapor. Gildas called Vortapor spotted in wickedness like a leopard and said he was the bad son of a good father. Vortapor is the only one of the three men for whom we have any independent information, although it is only slight. His name does appear on the genealogy for the family that ruled Diffid. He was the son of the tribune Agricola, who has been mentioned in the last episode. Agricola was a direct descendant of Magnus Maximus and a member of the only prominent Roman family that was not connected to the Roman faction. Servia, a member of Agricola's family, married Vortigern, and Agricola himself had liberated Diffid in southwestern Wales from the Irish during Arthur's reign. Gildas accused Vortpor of sins without going into any details except to imply that he slept with his own daughter. Although Gildas called her shameless, he also implied that it was rape. This appears to be an example of blaming the victim. Geoffrey stated that the Anglo-Saxons rose up against Vortipur and invited in reinforcements from the mainland. The monarch defeated this army and regained control of all Britain. There is no independent evidence to support this version. However, Geoffrey's wording in this section and the idea he recounted that Anglo-Saxons supported the sons of Mordred in their rebellion against Constantine implies that Geoffrey believed that Arthur had forced the submission of all of the Anglo-Saxons so that the wars between the two peoples were rebellions by the Anglo-Saxons. Although this is possible, there is no way to know if it is true, and it should also be viewed with skepticism as Geoffrey was blatantly pro-Welsh. This brings us to the problem that is actually much more confusing than the debate over King Arthur, although it is not as dramatic. I refer to the enigma of the founding of the Kingdom of Wessex, the land of the West Saxons. First of all, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle has this kingdom being founded twice, first in 495, then again in 519, but this part can be explained. In his book, The Ecclesiastical History of the English People, Bede criticized the kings of Wessex for annexing the Isle of Wight, saying they had no claim to it. The Chronicle was written in Wessex and contains pro-Wessex propaganda. The entry in 495 says that the founders of Wessex also took white and then gave it to another branch of their family, creating a claim. Therefore, this version is propaganda. The compilers of the Chronicle were copyists, not historians. Copyists believed that it was their job to record information, but not to explain it. This means that when they had access to contradictory information, they recorded all of it, contradictions and all. This is actually good for the modern student of history, since if they had only recorded the propaganda, the truth would have been lost. The founders of Wessex were Curdic and his son Kinric. The problem is these are not Anglo-Saxon names, but rather Old English versions of Brythonic names. Curdic is actually Caradoc, and Kinric is Conorix. 
which would evolve into Kinnear. Their successor also had a Brythonic name. The earlier entry in the chronicle says they arrived in Britain with five ships, and it calls them Ieldormen of the Goessi. We do not know exactly what Ieldormen meant, but it was clearly a title of some kind. The Goessi were a subgroup within the Saxons. So why did these Saxon people have rulers with Brythonic names? The interpretation followed here is that Caradoc and his son Conorix were Britons, and they had decided to take advantage of the turmoil that followed Arthur's death to carve out a province for themselves. They may have been deposed members of a noble house, or they may simply have been opportunists. They led a largely mercenary army made up primarily of Saxons, and landed on the south coast, which was apparently more vulnerable than other areas. They created a province for themselves, and over time the Saxons were able to gain control, possibly through peaceful intermarriage. Hundreds of years later, Wessex would unite all of the Anglo-Saxon realms, and its kings became the first kings of England, so its founding is very important. To sum up, Arthur's death created a serious problem, as there was no obvious worthy successor. Three monarchs seized power, one after the other, but each was deposed after only a few years, creating a climate of civil war and weak central authority. Two noble Britons took advantage of that to found a province which would eventually become the most important of the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. Please join us for our next episode, which will examine the period of decreased instability under Melguin and the decline that set in after him. This has been Holistic History, The Fall of Celtic Britain. I am Jim Frost. Until next time, I hope you stay safe.